Welcome. Welcome to GT Conversations, where we hear stories, stories from people of glad tidings, stories that inspire you, and stories that exalt the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad to have special guests here, five guests here, but actually made up of two families. Welcome, Gino, Jovi, Amber, Donna. Let's give them a big hand. Our conversation today is on missions and those people who have gone on missions. What inspired them and what happened. And let me start off with you, Gino and Jovi. I understand that uh, you are working folks and you have uh, two young growing up children. And you went to, in spite of that, you went to the Philippines for missions, right? Maybe you share, Gino, uh, uh, you know, if you can share with us, you know. I'm sure there are 101 reasons that tell you stay at home, take care of the kids, don't go to missions. Yet in spite of that, what, what, what uh, caused you to decide to go for missions? Uh, okay, my name is Gino. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the man who are uh, quite dumb uh, in the house, you know. I, I, I'm, the man, I'm the one who, no, a lot of people say you are Christian, but you don't know how to pray. I'm the one who don't know how to pray, you know. I'm the kind of person. I, I hardly to remember words. Then, but I have, a, I have a heart to go missions. But I don't know why. It's always happened to men. So I don't know why. <laughs> okay, but uh, I keep on saying I want to sign up for MEP. You know, what's the criteria to go mission? Then end up I sign up for MEP and I met with, I think I met with Seth. Set okay, then it's been a few years down the road. Every time I say, Hey, want to go mission? I say, I don't know, want to go, I don't want to go, want to go, don't want to go. Then I met up with, I think, Brother Michael. Brother Michael asked me to go India. I said, Oh, are you a tough guy, you must go India. You know, <laughs> then I said, uh, Then I said, uh, Okay, you know, but it's been a few years. Then one day, Seth called me up. I said, Come up, Yamcha. They said, Okay, yeah. Then he started to, I think, God really arranged him to you know, encourage both of us to go to Philippines together. Then I say, oh, I now, now got buddy, then just go, you know. Blindly follow, you know, another, another leader will go. Then uh, I'm the man who hardly cry, you know, hardly cry, have tears. But when you go there, I really don't, want to, don't know what to do. We just follow the leader. When we pray for those who have needs, they cry, I also cry. You know? that's, that's, the, that's the reason who really makes me to continue to go, you know, uh, missions every year. Of course, I always encourage my wife, uh, and she's the one who always say, hey, I have a kids, uh, two kids, uh, no? No, who's the one to take care of it? You know? oh, There's a lot of doubts in, in, you know, uh, in the family. Uh, no? But now let us share a part. Hi, my name is Jovi. I think like what my husband has said, you know, women, we always have a lot of thoughts, especially I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old kid. So uh, I have 101 reasons or even 1,001 reasons, excuses not to go. But at the end of the day, I think uh, it's very important for us as a mom to grow ourselves as well. I'm asking myself whether what do I want to inherit to my children. At the end of the day, it's not only going Sunday school. It's not only, you know, attending church every Sunday. You know, when I go for a Philippines mission trip, I really prayed very hard, you know, um, even until the very last minute, who's going to take care of my children? But God is good. He sent me a very good helper, okay? Um, and my sister-in-law, they, they took care of my kids while I'm not around. And even at that point of time, so many doubts when I go there, you know, just 30 minutes before we reach a place, there is a bomb, um, you know, on, on that place called Marbel in Philippines. So all these kind of things, both of us were there. So if anything happens to us, who is going to take care of the children? So the faith level has to be very strong as a woman. And, and also, you know, the things that I've experienced there is that I've seen children walking seven hours, seven hours of the journey to attend a youth camp. You know, the children... Imagine our children every Sunday, you know, uh, 30 minutes drive, they really complain we, we are late to the service and this kind of things. How are we going to tell the children you are so blessed? The children in Philippines are walking seven hours to reach a place. And, and I also bring this badge here, you know. Uh, during the youth camp, it's like they have to, they have to do a thousand push-ups in order to get this badge. 
this batch, imagine, you know. If we do this to our children, they will just say, Mom, are you, you know, is there something wrong with you? Or I don't want to do this. So, it, it's really blessed. This is something that we need to tell ourselves, we need to experience ourselves as a mom in order to inherit the knowledge to the children. So, I encourage all the mom, you know, don't worry so much, have faith, pray, and God will do the arrangement for you. Yep. Wow, thank you. Wow, that's powerful. Don't know. <laughs> now, this is unique. They, they have been to Myanmar. Donald and the family have been to Myanmar for missions. And they go as a family, three of them. All right, so Donald, can you just share with us what, what, what caused you to, to, to uh, go for the mission trip, not just as an individual yourself, but as a family? Um, Pastor, in 2016, um, that was the year that um, Amber finished her SPM. And we were talking about this because I've been going missions on my own. And Veron came earlier, a couple of years back, and she, she caught the heartbeat. And we said, what a better way to honor the Lord with what the Lord has done in Amber's life than to ask her whether she wants to go for mission. And it was very casual over a meal at home. We said, Amber, would you like to join us for Myanmar this time around? And she said, yes. And we're very thankful to Pastor Kun Singh for accommodating this family arrangement. Yeah, so that was how it happened, Pastor. Wow, fantastic. Veron, can you add anything to what uh, Donald has said? <laughs> we, we've always wanted to do things as a family. Um, and that's why we have also prepared M Emma and Ian to have taken their MEP. I said, get it done, get it ready. Anytime we, we can, if there's a slot, where the whole family can go together, at least everyone is ready. So, yeah. Wow, praise the Lord. Donald and Veron has three children, and this is the first. Two more are getting, they are preparing the other two already. Praise God for that. Amen. <laughs> Amber, can you share with us, you know, uh, your experience in the missions field, perhaps one memorable event or one inspiring moment that really caused you to remember the mission trip? And any, any particular moments? Or? Um, actually, I think the entire experience itself was very memorable. It's not just one experience, but the whole mission trip in itself, it actually just tells you if you avail yourself, God can move through you. It's not about how um, capable you are. It's not your own human um, capabilities, but if you simply just make yourself available, God will use you. It's not like, oh, I'm too young. I can't pray for all these pastors. Like, what? Like, am I going to say the right thing? But honestly, when the Holy Spirit leads, you will say the right thing. Yeah. Wow. Amen. Praise God. Amen. By the same token, maybe Jovi, you can share with us how God has used you in the sharing of God's love to the people of Philippines. Is this one? Um, okay, I, I think during the Philippines trip is that uh, it's a youth camp. So coincidentally, when I went there, um, there's a lot of teenagers, a lot of uh, younger generations there that even the, the girls there, they have very limited knowledge in terms of the relationship knowledge and in terms of the information on how to handle, uh, you know, different sex, um, all these kind of things. So a lot of them actually get pregnant um, before they reach the age that they should be marrying. So uh, I think what I have played a role there is that God has used me as a mom to, to tell them that, you know, you, you have to keep to God's word because at the end of the day, um, your mom uh, and dad, these are the expectations of them to you. And then as a woman, how you are going to protect yourself as a girl, even from a teenager, how do you have to behave? How do you have to protect yourself? And so that your mom doesn't have to worry about you. You know, when you go out one day, um, they will be, they know that you'll be all right because you are filled with God's word. So as a woman's role also, um, how to be submissive to your husband and, and things like that. So I guess... And also, I saw many moms there that are lost because their husband is not very supportive and things like that. I think, basically, I would see that the, the reason why God wants me to be there is that 
he wants me to actually share the message across and give hope to the women out there and even to bring what we have done here to the country and also at the same time, uh, you know, I learned so much from them. The determination there the women have is like, I, I believe very, none of us has this kind of de determination, especially Filipino, they, are, they have so strong determination for the women. But, you know, we, we, we are learning. We are learning from each other. So it's not so much also me uh, sharing with them on, on, on our knowledge. It's also them teaching me back, you know, what they have, what, what the determination they have there, the spirit they have. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, what fast, fascinating stories. Our 60 minutes is almost up. <laughs> and so we are just round up. <laughs> All right, we are just round up. I'm sure there are a lot of other questions we want to ask them. And uh, after the service, please approach them and they can tell you more about their experience. But before we round up even these conversations with GT family members and hearing their stories, we would like to ask them one question. All right. And that is to describe, to describe your missions experience in just one word. Uh, maybe one word is impossible. Uh. Maybe in a few words. Uh, uh, just, just, just summarize everything. Your missions experience in your mission trip that you have made. Uh, we start off with Ron and then after that Donald and down to Jovi. I'd say missions is exciting. Um, simply because it helped me discover and use certain talents that I didn't think I had. And that's exciting for me. Can I use a few sentences? Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> as a father, it's a privilege to be able to go on trips with my family members, especially my daughter, has changed our lives. Missions is very inspiring. God used each and every one of us to encourage people with very little hope, very little, full of problems, full of challenges, and extremely uh, underprivileged. And I just could see that God has used me and fellow team members to always inspire them through the Holy Spirit and bring encouragement with hope. Um, I think missions is life-changing. You get to learn from all these um, talented men and women of God, um, especially all the pastors and how they move with the Spirit and you not only change your own life, but you also impact the lives of others there. Uh, mission is like really uh, action-packed, you know, as a Christian. Whatever we learn from the church or whatever, this is action-packed for us to practice our faith level. For example, someone you know, that you know, is, uh, you know, couldn't walk, come and help. Can you pray for me? That's the faith level that you want to pray for them. And what is the... What is the faith that we have to pray for them. Sometimes they'll ask us, can you pray for us? They say, we ask them, do you have faith? Then they'll ask us back, you have faith? You need, you need to have faith also, you know, to pray for us. <laughs> okay. um, I think Mission Trip taught us, uh, taught me, myself, how to be back to basic. Okay, uh, I guess we, some of us might have big car, you know, good helper, big house, but in fact, we have nothing. But we go there, when we are there, they have nothing, they look poor, but they have everything. Yeah, so simple happiness. Yeah. All right, wow, powerful words. Amen. <laughs> to summarize, according to our guest here, missions is exciting. Missions is inspiring. Missions is life-changing. Missions is action-packed. And missions is back to basics. Give our hands, our guests, give a big hand to our guests here. Thank you very much. I trust that it has inspired every one of us here that any one of us can go for missions, be involved in missions in one way or another. Whether you are young or whether you are elderly, God can use anyone. In our first service, we interviewed one elderly who walked through all of these doing different things. One of the things that they really specialize in is raising what they call the foot soldiers, all right, and the, and the workers in the field. 
and in different parts of uh, Asia, and they are also very strong in medical missions like the Boat of Hope in Cambodia, and they are very strong also in uh, raising, uh, 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 mobilizing uh, uh, prayer movement, you know, among the Tibetans in China and in different uh, parts of the world. And above all else, they are very strong in also planting churches in different parts of uh, Asia. So we thank the Lord for the work of Asian Outreach. And I've known Reverend uh, Eric Fang for many, many years already. I cannot remember how long. We are good friends, good buddies. We both of, both of us like, like uh, Indian food, you know. Whenever we have lunch together, automatically, no need to ask where to eat. It's Indian food. It's just a, a, a matter of uh, choices only. So we thank the Lord even for the partnership. And I really admire this man who have done so much. Now, he comes from, he, he, he used to be a very successful corporate figure. You know, but he, 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 he chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, answered the call, gave up the corporate career with all his perks and uh, uh, luxuries and entered into the missions field just by faith. And uh, he has been in the missions for uh, 31 years already. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. 31 years in uh, Asian outreach doing the work of the Lord. He has a faithful and wonderful wife, you know, Deborah. I, ask, I invite Deborah to stand. Let's give her a warm welcome. <clears throat> and they have three wonderful children and five grandchildren. Now, Asian Outreach uh, is... Uh, 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 regularly produces their Asian Outreach magazine uh, on a quarterly basis, and these are available as you go uh, out of the hall on the, on, the, on the table. There are copies of this Asian Outreach uh, uh, magazine that will bless your heart. And so, brothers and sisters, let's now open our hearts and welcome Pastor Eric Fang. He dramatized the introduction. Good afternoon, or good morning still. We are almost noon now. Let me take a deep breath. When we talk in terms of missions, we look at those five people down there and most of them rightly say in their own words, some say it's life transforming, some say it's exciting, but above everything else, what has what been said is actually life transforming. Missions is life transforming. And many times people think that they are not able to do things, but the very fact remains in us is that God has created us and He has imparted a lot of things, multiple gifting to each and every one of us. But it's a question of whether we have discovered the giftings or we have used the gifting. Some of us know that we can teach, but we don't go and teach. Some of us know that we can pray, but we don't go and pray. We don't go and reach out. Some of us know that we are very interactive, by speaking, we can bring encouragement to others and encourage her, but yet we don't do it. I have got a gift in cooking, and I practice and I utilize that gift to bless many, many, many people. I go to India, I cook chicken rice for them. I go to Nepal, I cook nasi lemak for them. Uh, Michael is going to cook nasi lemak in India, is it? Uh, Cambodia. So it's a question of whether you want to discover your gift. To some, you think that you've got nothing. But when you step into the mission field by faith, then you discover that you have got so much of gifting that you need to be very prudent over your gifting. You've got to be a good steward to keep that gift. Otherwise, it will be like the story of the ten talent. The one talent, the five talent, and the ten talent. The very little that the one has got was taken away purely because that gift that was given to him was buried. Many of us, we bury our gift. We bury our gifts. 
and we do not see God manifestation in our lives. We literally rob God of the manifestation of His glory. I come here this morning or this afternoon purely with an intention to challenge, to motivate. And my prayer is that as I speak, you will not receive it into your minds, but you will receive into your hearts. It is the hearts that will motivate you. It is not the mind. Our sisters say, the mind has got so many worries, so many things to think about. The two children, who is going to take care of them? How am I going to go leaving the house there? God will do whatever is needed to be done. And this is something that I really want to impart to you. How we should handle the gifts of God that has been entrusted to us. Today, let me share with you attitude. How do you see God? How do you see the promises of God in our lives? There are thousands, three thousands over promises in the Bible. And yet, how many of us appropriate those promises into our lives? There are so many instructions that we need to adhere to from the Bible. But how many of us read the Word and follow the instructions? Attitude towards God is so important. The Bible actually has got some 68 verses that motivate us, that challenge us, that talks about attitude. Attitude. Attitude is crucial and important in our lives. What forms our attitude, our upbringing, how we are being raised will form our attitude. What are the experiences that we are exposed to will form our attitude. Our educational background, academic background, will also form our attitudes. The company that we mix with, try mixing with companies who are angry, easily angered. Very soon you'll find yourself tacking along and getting to be angry very easily. Find someone that is very enriching, very edifying. Every time when he talks, he talks about the goodness of God, the goodness of a person. See things in a, uh, in a positive perspective. And very soon, you become one of them. So, it, uh, very important is the company that we mix with that forms our attitude. You are very fortunate in this church. I've been here for almost one and a half years now. And I can truly tell you that this, is church, this church is a real blessing to me. Being in the ministry for 31 years, but yet after having sat down here to listen to the various preachers, I benefited so much. But the fact remains is that when we get benefited, when we are enriched with the Word of God, do we use the Word of God? When we eat and continue to eat and eat, and we don't go to nature called to release. That is called constipation. Isn't it? There is also a spiritual constipation. If we keep on receiving and receiving and we do not give up, then within us, we will have a very bad or negative attitude. We'll begin to criticize, we become an armchair critics. Worship is good. Lah. Worship no good lah, this morning. Or the preacher, very long-winded. We, 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 will, we will begin to think things that are negative. So we become negative motivated. But what the Bible talks about uh, attitude. Attitude is important. You remember the 12 spies that uh, Mo Moses sent in? Ten of them came back and told Moses that they cannot conquer that land. They cannot take the land even though God has promised them. They cannot take the land because the land is filled with giants, full of giants. And they begin to see them themselves as grasshoppers. They saw something big and they begin to see them as small. 
And they imagine even that the enemies will see them the same. And they begin to, to spread a bad report or a negative report. No, no, we cannot take the land. But Joshua and Caleb, two of them, they saw the same thing. They saw the giants, they saw the land, they saw the fortified walls, they saw everything, the same as the ten did. But then their attitude was so different. Their attitude was more positive. They began to understand God's plan. They began to trust God. And Joshua says to the assembly of uh, Israelites, do not be afraid of the people. Do not be afraid. Only do not rebel. Don't go against God. If we don't participate in the things that God has called us to do, we are actually re rebelling against God. And so it is important for us to realize what happened to these 10 spies that were negative towards the promises of God. In the end, they did not get to go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, in Numbers chapter 14, 24, it talks about because Joshua and Caleb has got a different spirit, he and his descendants will inherit the land that they went into. Attitude. I remember I was in the management position, senior management position. Every year, we got to go through the staff list to do some evaluation on the staff. Some warrant a merit increment. Some warrant to be elevated into management position. Yes, we look at their experiences. We look at their qualifications. But above everything else, above the two things, we also looked at their attitude. Is their attitude that motivates me or prompts me to elevate them into management position? So attitude is so important because it will not only affect our life, but also affect our children's and children's life. Let the ten spies, they cannot get into the land. But Joshua and Caleb, they did. They managed to get into the land. Talk, what about Apostle James' attitude? His attitude towards trials and tribulation. Chapter 1, James, and it talks about James saying, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, for it has got to complete its work in our life. So trials and tribulations that you and I go through is to mature us. Mature us to a point that we will understand the workings of God in our lives. The working of God in our life is for us to be mature. And, and, and he says, consider it pure joy. I was a young Christian then. I remember that I went through some very challenges, tremendous challenges in the ministry as a young Christian as well. And I used to complain to God, why? Why this has to happen? Why this? Why that? Why? 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 www.com <laughs> Today, as a mature Christian, I still ask the same question. www.com But in the form of what? God, what are you telling me? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me? It's so crucial and important that we must have the right perspective when we go through trials of many kinds, according to James. And so when we go through trials of many kinds, we must perceive it from God's perspective and then we begin to understand what God is trying to show us, what God is trying to teach us. And understanding what God is doing then we will complete the trial and tribulation much faster, much easier. And then we can rejoice that we, what, what we are facing. Like James says, consider it pure joy. Because our maturity will be taken to another notch, another level. And then we are drawn closer to Him to understand His workings in our lives and the working through our lives. What about Apostle Paul's attitude? towards the preaching of the gospel. Apostle Paul preaching of the gospel or his mission's endeavor. 
Apostle Paul, before I go and before I go to the text, he has gone through very, very challenging times. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 to 25, uh, 27, in those five verses, I have picked up what he has gone through, the sufferings that he has gone through. It's tremendous. If I were to go through those sufferings, I don't think I want to be in ministry anymore. Number one, he has been in prison frequently, been flogged more severely, exposed to death five times. He was beaten, uh, exposed to death. Five times he was beaten with the 40 lashes minus one, three times beaten with rods, one time stone, three times shipwrecked, one day in open sea, in danger of, uh, from rivers, in danger from bandits, toil and often gone without sleep, hungry and thirsty, and often gone without food. Eight. The last one. He has been cold and naked. I mean, I've gone through challenges in ministry, but I've never gone through all this eight. None of this eight has happened to me. And if any one of this happened to me, I don't really know what will be my attitude towards mission endeavors. Can I last the 31 years like what I did now? I really do not know, but I hope that I will have the positive attitude. And here Paul, having gone through those challenges, those sufferings, and yet Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9, 1 Corinthians 9, verses 16 and 17, what did he say? Let me read that to you. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast. For I am compelled to preach the gospel. Vote to me if I do not preach the gospel. Let me just stop here. Number one, Paul says he, when he preached the gospel, he cannot boast. The second thing he says is that, woe to me, or when I, for I am compelled to preach the gospel. The third thing he says is that, woe to me, curse be unto me if I do not preach the gospel. Then verse 17, if I preach voluntarily, I receive a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging a trust committed to me. Of course, all of us know that he has an encounter with Christ and Christ told him that you have got to suffer for the gospel's sake and he took it upon himself and he began to preach. And even in his preaching, he was confining his preaching to the Jewish people. It was not for the Gentiles. But his attitude was changed and transformed. And then he began to preach to the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says, Whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. Prior to our conversion, we harbour, we have wrong negative attitudes. We think differently. We see differently. But we perceive things differently. But however, after we become a new Christian, then whoever is in Christ Jesus is a new creation. The old, the old has gone. The new has come. Prior to my conversion, I come from a very colourful background. Very colourful. I smoke 80 cigarettes a day. I drink one bottle of brandy on one sitting. I am hot-tempered, hot-hated. I'll do anything for money. I'll do anything for money. I gamble. I was a racehorse owner. Can you imagine all these things? But when I became a Christian, then I believe in what God has promised me, that I am a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. To discard those, those things, those colourful background that I had, it was never easy. It was very challenging. But I have a right attitude towards the promises of God. That in Christ Jesus, I can be transformed. In Christ Jesus, I can be renewed. In Christ Jesus, I can be changed. Not by my own strength, but by His grace, by His mercy. And so as I submit myself to the promise of God and embrace the promises of God, then I see the transformation begin to take place in our life. 
So the attitude towards God's promises is important. How do we appropriate those promises into our lives? Every time when I talk about Paul, I'm reminded of a story, a mission trip that I took to India. And we were training the foot soldiers. And that particular day, or that particular uh, training course, we did not raise sufficiently enough of money. And so we were on a lean budget. Having a lean budget, we can only afford to give them food. And what food we were giving to them, it was dal and rice. Dal and rice in the morning, dal and rice in the afternoon for lunch, and then dal and rice again in the, in the dinner, during dinner time. So one day, three times, I joined them to eat the dal and rice. By the third day, I was feeling so dull. I could not speak, I could not teach anymore. It was just dal and rice. And then on the graduation day, on the eighth day, it was the graduation. We gave them dal and rice, chicken curry, and vegetable curry. And I saw right in front of me, there was one guy. And he began to gorge himself. He could be in his 40s. He had a bulging cheek on his right, another bulging cheek on his left. And then he had two pieces of chicken in his hand. And yet, at the same time, he was chewing, munching the chicken that was in his mouth. And I was watching him for a couple of minutes. And then my coordinator nudged me and says, look at that guy. I said, I'm looking at him. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, why does he eat that way? He said, no, no, I'm not talking about the way he's eating. I'm talking about we pick him up from the street and we train him for one month. He picked him up from the street, this guy. Pick him up from the street, he became a Christian, gave him training how to do evangelism and church planting, and then he was launched out into the ministry. Can you imagine, after being trained for 30 days, then he was asked to go and preach, go to the village and preach. Now, the modus operandi is that we train a person to go and preach. These people, some of them don't have education. Some of them have got very little education. So, by their academic qualification, they are not qualified to go to Bible school. <clears throat> but we have got a mobile Bible school that we go in and train them. Very basic. Very, very basic. And we tell them to preach. We teach them how to preach. We teach them how to evangelize. And we teach them how to plant a church. And we teach them how to sing and worship the Lord. And they did all this thing. And then the pastor Lucky was telling me, my coordinator, he said, we sent him out for three weeks. And then he will come back for one week stays where he, with his family, and then he goes off again for three weeks. On his first outing, when he came back, Pastor Lucky was saying, he, when he came back, I rushed over to him, this foot soldier, and asked him, how many people did you water baptize? In the context of India, when you preach in a crusade or an evangelistic message, uh, a lot of people will put up their hands wanting to receive Christ. Now, don't be happy. They are not a true convert. They are receiving Jesus Christ, just an additional God, to the three million gods that they're worshipping. So you don't be happy about it until they go for water baptism. Then they are considered to be a convert. And so Pastor Lucky knows the context of India. So ask the foot soldier, how many people did you water baptize? And this foot soldier took out a pouch and gave it to him, Pastor Lucky. Pastor Lucky took that pouch, heavy though, and he went to a table, poured out from the pouch pebbles, picked up from the river. And he began to count them. 10, 20, 40, 57 pebbles. Pastor Lucky, having counted that thing, went back to him, why didn't you let me know the figure? Just tell me the figure, why did you make me count? He said, Pastor Lucky, have you forgotten? I cannot count beyond 50. A person who cannot count beyond 50 went out to share the gospel in the context of India. How many people he shared to, how many people he preached to, God knows. But the fact remains that 57 people were water baptized, committed their lives to God, receiving Jesus Christ as their sole and only God. Wow! 
I told Pastor Lucky, I want to shake his hand. Don't forget he has curry on his hand. I said, I want to shake his hand. I want to shake his hand. Pastor Lucky said, no, I'm not finished. I said, what do you mean you're not finished? He said, no, the second outing. He came back. This time I was smarter. I didn't ask him, where's the pouch? I just asked him, where's the pouch? And this first soldier took out the pouch and gave it to Pastor Lucky. He took the pouch and this time was much heavier. And when he poured out the pouch, or poured the stones out, the pebbles out, the pebbles were smaller. And he began to count them. Fifty, a hundred, and a hundred and fifty-seven pebbles. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you cannot count beyond fifty? None of you. So if that person who cannot count beyond 50, the foot soldier who cannot count beyond 50, qualify to go for the mission field or qualify to go and evangelize the people, then can you go out and evangelize the people? This is a stewardship, the attitude towards stewardship. We actually, when we say we cannot do it, we are not telling ourselves or condemning ourselves that we cannot do it, or criticizing ourselves that we cannot do it. By saying that we cannot do it, we are actually blaming God, telling that God has not given us anything, no giftings. We underestimated God in His power in our lives. That foot soldier, I finally, after that, before I washed my hand and his, I went to shake him. I told him, pray for me. I asked him to pray for me. And eventually he did. He did pray for me. I received his prayer. And that's why when I go out and preach, I get people get saved. Purely because he has prayed for me. A person who has, cannot count beyond 50, laid his hands on me with his curry hand unwashed, laid on my hand and prayed for me. I only received the anointing of his prayer, but also the curry. <laughs> That's why I like Indian food. <laughs> so this is where we are at now. Your church is involved in 12 countries. 12 other countries that you have worked in. I have seen churches that are, they don't have a facility to offer them trips. Members want to go to trip, they have to come to me. Can you organize or can I follow you on a mission trip? You are so privileged. Michael has set up a gateway for you to go to 12 countries. And all these 12 countries are exciting countries. Though they are poor, but it's exciting. These countries as you enter into, the first thing you will see the spiritual atmosphere is different. You learn from there. We are in our comfort zone. But when we go there, the, the gospel is not as free as this is in this country. So you learn so much by merely stepping into the mission field. And if you do not want to go for mission field overseas trip, then your local, your neighbours is your mission field. The place of work it's your mission field. But the fact remains is that all these things would not change if you do not change your attitude towards the Great Commission. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 and 19 and 20, it says that go to the nations and make disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, teaching them this church has taught you well, given you opportunity for missions endeavor. This church, this church has equipped you well. I mean, being in the ministry for 31 years, I truly understand the opportunities that is offered to you. And you do not want to take that opportunity. You do not want to embrace that opportunity. You do not want to take hold of the opportunity. You are actually denying yourself or being blessed. Today, I mean, I am 74 years old. Tomorrow, 
I'll be around. Tonight, I go back, I'll pack my clothing. Tuesday morning, first thing in the morning, I'll be flying off to Chennai. I'll be there for a week. I'll be visiting the leper colony. We are supporting two leper colonies, or three leper colonies there. I will be shaking hands with the people who has got no fingers on their palm, or one finger. I'll be interacting with them. I'll be sitting down and eating together with them. It's uncomfortable, but yet I enjoy it. I did that in Vietnam. We also support two, or nine, we actually support nine colonies in Vietnam. So these things that have been offered to you, if you don't use it, you missed it. So attitude is so important. And Paul's attitude was that, for I am compelled to preach the gospel. What compels Paul to preach the gospel? Was there somebody with a revolver pointing to Paul, putting on his temple and saying, I'll pull the trigger if you don't preach the gospel? Was someone forcing Paul to preach the gospel? No. Then what compels Paul to preach the gospel? Let me take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 to 15, or 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I mean, in simple, just put it into one simple sentence, Christ died for us. And so therefore, we who now is alive should no longer live for ourselves, but live for Christ who died for us. This is what Paul is saying. And that's why he says, for it is a Christ's love that compels you. How many of us always talk about the love of Christ? We talk so often about the love of Christ. John 3.16, I was saved by John 3.16. For God so loved the world. We sang that song just now. For God so loved the world. I was saved by John 3.16. And after having been saved through John 3.16, then I recite on John 3.16. I memorize it. I recite on John 3.16. When I was a little bit more matured, I began to share on John 3.16. God's love. And then when I went into full-time ministry, I began to preach on John 3.16. I began to preach on John 3.16. And one day, in the midst of walking towards a village that I was supposed to preach in, uh, in Cambodia, way back, way, way back, many years back, and walking towards the village, there I was surrounded by children, maybe a hundred or maybe a hundred plus children. hundred percent of them were barefooted. hundred percent. 94% of them were stacked naked. It was January, it was the month of January, it was a cold season, and the children had mucus. No exception, every one of them had the flu, and mucus was running down their nose. And as I walked there, I could not resist myself, and I reached out my hand and I touched a little boy. The minute I touched the boy, I discovered I had a little hand to all my ten fingers. Every, every finger of mine, there was a hand holding on to it. They warmed up to me so much because I just touched one of them. I demonstrated love. I demonstrated care. To them, it was a demonstration of love. Because there was void of love in the Cambodia context. There was a civil war going on. I went in a bad time. There was hand grenade explosions just outside my hotel. AK-47 rapid firing was there. I thought I will never survive that ordeal, but I came back by God's grace. And I asked my friend, why do you ask me to go? He says, the people need the gospel. I said, what about my life? He said, oh, if you are killed, then you go up to heaven faster. <laughs> I mean, when you've got friends like this, you don't need enemies. <laughs> and so, the little hands were there. And then at the back of me, I began to feel that people, the children, were climbing up my back. And then after that, they found no more space to climb from my back. Now they did it in front. And as they climbed up, can you imagine? They had mucus running down their nose. 
they were smearing onto my trousers, they were smearing the mucus onto my shirt, and then they came up to my face. I didn't run, I didn't have a flu, but I had mucus on my nose, I had mucus on my face. I regretted, I almost regretted. And there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, Eric, I do not want you to preach on my love alone. So often we talk about God's love, isn't it? John 3.16. We sing God's love. We talk about God's love. But do we demonstrate? Do we make God's love tangible? Telling the people who have got no food on the table that God loves you doesn't make any sense. Telling the people who are sick and no money for medical attention, it doesn't make any sense. Telling someone who is going through some challenges in life and we don't pray for them and tell them God loves you, it doesn't make any sense. And so God was challenging me, telling me, I do not want you to preach on my love alone. I want you to make my love tangible. John 3.16 is a piece of abstract art to a non-Christian. People in the dark will never understand the piece of abstract art, or John, uh, God loves you. They will never understand until we begin to make God's love tangible, until we begin to make it that people can feel the love of God. If there's no food on the table, let us put food on the table. Then you tell them, God loves you. God impressed upon my heart to buy you food. That is why we empower. We don't only train foot soldiers, but we empower foot soldiers. What do I mean by empowering them? I, what we do is that when Bangladesh, they had no lights in the villages, we provided solar panels. There was a village that has got no toilets, we provided toilets. There was villages that has got no wells, we dug wells for them. Then people can able to relate. Then when I talk on God's love, people will respond to the love of God. When we started the Boat of Hope in Cambodia, way back in 1991, the boat was launched and we take the boat out to the river and then we will go to the village and we set up a medical camp, dental and medical. And people will come, people will come and we do the clinics. The doctors will attend to the people who are sick, the dentists will begin to do extraction, very primitive. The dental chair is a plastic chair and then lean against the coconut tree trunk, and that's it. We do extraction. But people will come. And then after 15, 20 minutes, or at the most half an hour, we stop. We stop operating the medical team. And then I preach on the love of God. They can so easily relate and identify to the love that we talk about. And when I ask for, and I make an altar call, 60%, if not more, will put up their hands and say, we want Jesus Christ. Because they are able to feel the love of God in a tangible way. So church, today, I want to challenge you. What is your attitude towards the Great Commission? Go and make disciples of all nations. I mean, you don't have to go and make disciples, but go and share the gospel. Just basically go and share your heart share your experiences. Every one of us here got a story to tell. I have, I'm no exception. I got stories, but I got thousands of stories to tell. You may have got a few stories to tell. And just go and tell the story about how God touched you, how God transformed you, how you experienced the love of God. And then you'll find that people will be able to relate. And then people will come to know Christ through you. And you will feel and find the fulfillment in life that God has entrusted you, committed a trust to you, like Paul says. If I preach the gospel voluntarily, I, am sim I will receive a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging a trust that has been committed to me. And this great commission is not a great commandment. This great commission is something that we need to heed to something that we need to follow, something that we need to do. It is not a suggestion, but it is a great commission. And then the promise that comes along with it, and lo, I will be with you 
till the end of the age. It's not a season in time that He will be with you. The promise is that I will be with you till the end of the age. There is no time frame. There is no time frame. Whenever you share the gospel to someone, His promise is that He will be with you. Why do He need to be with you? Number one, He needs to be with you so that He will be able to encourage you. He will be able to give you the bonus that you so require. Acts 1.8, what happened? When the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the power of God is for them to go out to preach the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. So today, I just want to ask you to reflect. Reflect on your attitude. In the past, what was your attitude towards the great, this Great Commission? And if you find that your attitude has not been right towards this Great Commission, by, not, by ignoring it, if you have been ignoring this Great Commission and not doing what the Lord has said, then I think it's high time for us to think through. It's high time for us to embrace it now and say to Lord, Lord, I want to be part of this Great Commission. Consider it a privilege. Consider it an honour so that you will be part of what God is wanting you to do and you will experience His presence. You will experience His power. And it is very fulfilling. The, the people who are interviewed, they say, it's so fulfilling, so satisfying. Tears flow. Our brother says that he doesn't cry. Yes, I don't cry either before my conversion days. But after I was converted, after I became a Christian, my heart began to be so soft, like a flesh. And then I, am, I can be responsive to situation. I can be more responsive to situation and circumstances. So today, I want to leave this with you. What is your attitude or what was your attitude in the past? towards this great commission and what should you embrace now a positive attitude whosoever in Christ Jesus is a new creation the old has gone the old your attitude can be gone can be removed your negative attitude towards the great commission can be removed can be changed can be transformed by just wanting to do now and wanting to embrace it you can tell God God I want to embrace the Great Commission. There are mission trips available almost every month, I see. This month has got more mission trips going out, isn't it? Every time when I come into the church, it's praying for missions, uh, trip to go out, uh, mission teams to go out. You are very privileged, you are very honoured to have this privilege to be in partnership with God. Let's bow our heads. Just allow the Spirit of God to move and to speak to you today. I want to pray for people who want to embrace, people who want to avail themselves to God to be used by Him for missions endeavour. Not necessarily overseas, but within the confine of your office, within the confine of your neighbourhood, within the confines of even when you go marketing or shopping, the friends that you have. You want to tell God this morning, or this afternoon God I want to be part of the Great Commission but I need your empowering I need to overcome that fear I need to overcome that attitude that has not been positive I need your help I need you to deposit something within me that I will have I will be passion driven for the loss that my passion for the loss will increase or deposited into my heart if you want that to happen to your life and to be excited about the things of God, I want to give you this opportunity to stand to your feet today. Very quickly, stand to your feet and I'd like to pray for you. Thank you very much. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. As you stand to your feet, you make the dedication to God directly, telling God, God, I want to be part of what you have called me in the Great Commission. I want to be a part of the Great Commission. Yeah, there are some more who want to stand. Quickly stand, I want to pray for you. Don't miss this opportunity for God's anointing and powering to be upon your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't wait for others to stand very quickly. I'm not looking for numbers, but I know there are more people who want to stand. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Just raise your hand and tell God, God, I want to avail myself. Simple as that. And God will empower you. God will anoint you. God will give you the words like He gave to Jeremiah. He will give you words to speak. You do not have to fear the people that you are speaking to. Yes, you have got your own story to tell. One last call. Very quickly, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you. Father, in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you see this dear one that stood before you. Father, they are not responding to men, but they are responding to you. And even as they respond to you, Father, I ask of you that this morning or this afternoon, Father, you know their condition. You know that, that what is holding them back from sharing the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that, Father, break that yoke that is holding them even right now. Make them your vessel, a vessel where your love will flow through them, a vessel where your glory and your power and your majesty will be shown through their lives, O oh Father. Give them the wisdom. Give them the bonus. So that when they articulate, O oh Father, Father, they will see life being blessed, life being changed, life being transformed for your glory and for your honour. So Father, release your blessing and anointing right now upon each and every one of them for Jesus' name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you very much. <laughs>